Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett, and we're talking about joy that remains. I tell you what, if you lose your joy, you're in a world of trouble because that's where we find our strength. And so for the last couple of days on the broadcast, we've been talking about joy. And there's so many things that can bring happiness, but don't settle for happiness because joy is the real deal. Joy is not just an emotion. It is actually a spiritual weapon, and God gives us strength through joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we're looking at John chapter 15. This is that famous passage on the vine and the branches. And I love John chapter 15 because Jesus is talking to his disciples and he wants them to know that you can have joy no matter what comes your way. Uh, the first place you find joy in is, and, and I guess you could say the beginning of joy. I never really knew joy until I knew Jesus as my Savior. Joy comes from salvation. Peter talks about the fact that we have this relationship with Christ. We are part of the royal priesthood. Because of the joy of the gospel, we are partnered with others who have joy. You know, as I was walking this morning, I struck up a conversation with my neighbor, and I sensed that he was a believer as I was talking to him. And so uh, for a couple miles, we walked and just shared different things about our relationship with our spouses and, and our relationship with the Lord. And uh, we talked about the fact that you can have joy no matter what happens in your life, and I told him I was going to be speaking about joy today. And so the joy of the Lord is our salvation. It's found in our salvation. But also we have joy because of the significance that we have, the purpose that we have in our lives. And then there's security knowing that Christ has got everything in control. And I remember as a kid, I would get very nervous if my mom was driving. And it wasn't that she was a bad driver. I just felt like if something goes wrong with this car, uh, mom doesn't know what to do. And so I felt secure when my dad was driving because uh, he was going to figure it out. And no matter what happened, he would figure it out. Mom, I wasn't so sure about that. She's a great mom, uh, great with cooking and that kind of thing. But when it came to mechanical things, she didn't have an idea of what was going on. So joy comes from salvation. Joy comes from significance. Joy comes from security. How do we remain in this joy? Well, Jesus said, I've told you this. That's talking about John chapter 15, what he's covering with the vine and the branches. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So the first thing we must remember as we spell out the word remain is remember who is who, who's in charge of my life. Uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, the father is the gardener. Verse five, we are the branches. So I want you to know that an ordered life is a joyful life. You're going to lose a lot of joy in your life if you're going to go around trying to fix things that are not in your swim lane. You know, there are some things I can't fix. I wish I could fix everything, right? But I realize there are some things that not only can I not fix, but God has not called me to fix it. I am the vine. Jesus says, my father is the gardener. So Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. In order to understand this, we must realize that there are some things that are out of our control. Remember who's in charge. You're going to be filled with misery if you try to do something that God has not called you to do. I remember I have a preacher friend many years ago, and, and he didn't, uh, it, it didn't want to involve in ministry for very long. And he told me, he says, man, every single Sunday I get up and I'm literally sick to my stomach. And I said, well, I understand nerves and, and I understand that whole, but it seems to me that that should start to disappear. And he said, no, he said, but I can't get rid of it. And I asked this guy, I said, now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God has called you to do what you're doing? Are you at the right place? And he looked at me, he says, how do you know I've been struggling with that? 
I said, because when God calls you to do something, he also equips you to do it. When you are giving a responsibility, there's two ways to know that I'm involved and I'm right where God wants me to be. Number one is fruitfulness, right? And if I'm doing something that God's called me to do, there's going to be fruitfulness. I'm going to produce fruit, right? And Jesus says, if you remain in me, you produce more fruit. And we go through the pruning process. That doesn't end the fruit bearing. That that allows it to be more productive. And so there's a fruitfulness to whatever we're called to do. But second of all, there's this fulfillment. You realize that you're doing what God has called you to do, and you're right smack dab in the center as well. And I said, as you look at your life, I think you're really lacking fulfillment because you're trying to do something that you are really not been able to do. And I said, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, there are so many things in life that I know that I've not been called to do. And so I don't even go there, right? I know that God has not called me to be a mechanic. So when my car breaks down, uh, unless it's something really super simple, I'm not going to fool with it uh, because I know that I've got people that know how to take care of those things. I know that God has not called me to a whole host of things, right? Uh, I'm not really good worth working in a nursery, but I'm so thankful for, the, for those who love those little babies and have that ability to work with them. So know who is involved in leading you and, and know where you belong. Remember who's who and who's in charge, and you will find joy. Letter E, everybody gets pruned. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it back so that it will even be more fruitful. And so sometimes when we're going through a pruning process, it may feel like I'm going to be cut off too much from things, but realize that God is allowing dead things to be cut from our lives, but he's also cutting back some good things so that we can be freed up to do the better things. So we do not experience full joy because sometimes we're hanging on to our dead, unrepentant regrets. So the pruning process actually produces more joy. Uh, So remember who's who. Remember who's in charge. Uh, Letter E is everyone gets pruned. Letter M is we are maintained by remaining, right? Uh, Remaining is maintained by hanging in there, right? Too many people are just too unsettled to be filled with joy. James says that a a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. There is no joy in walking in instability. And whether that be within a marriage or within a church or, or even in a house. You know, one of the things that my dad taught me is to hang in there no matter what happens. Don't quit. As a matter of fact, on the back of his tombstone, when we gathered together as a family, uh, and it's been over 20 years that my dad passed, and we wanted to put something that kind of uh, encapsulated his life on his tombstone. And so we came up with a short, very short phrase that says this, lived by faith. He was consistent. That doesn't mean my dad didn't have struggles. My, my dad battled depression. My dad battled a lot of uh, emotional health issues and, and really struggled his entire life. As, as a matter of fact, he told me when he was just a, a teenager uh, getting his driver's license, he had to, uh, the, the court took his license from him because he was so emotionally unstable. And they felt that he couldn't be driving because he, he might have some kind of a breakdown while he was driving. In his whole life, he was, he was plagued with depression and anxiety, but he lived by faith. Uh, his joy wasn't found in living emotionally stable because he realized he had a, a chemical imbalance and he had things in his life, uh, but his joy came from living by faith. He lived in faith 
and he lived by the faith. So hanging in there uh, in the midst of difficult times, that poem that I read to you yesterday by Edgar Albert Gist, Don't Quit, hang in there, right? Jesus is always my lifeline to joy. And sometimes as you go through that pruning process, it's very painful and we want to bail out, but hang in there. Uh, Sometimes we want to just throw up our hands and say, what is the use? But hang in there. Don't quit. Hang in there. I remember when I went to college and then I went on to seminary, the president of the school would always remind us at the beginning of the semester, and he'd get up and have the whole uh, whole college right there in front of him and uh, during a chapel service. And he says, now listen, guys, it's a new semester. And uh, a new semester means you've got 16 weeks to make it to Christmas break or 16 weeks to make it to summer break. And he would always say, you know, you can do anything for 16 weeks. Uh, You can hang in there and excel for 16 weeks. Hang in there for 16 weeks. And then when you come back to next semester, give us the same speech. Uh, You can do this for 16 weeks. Hang in there for 16 weeks. Listen, that's how life is. Hanging in there. And and I think if you want to maintain your joy, you got to remain in Christ. Letter A and remain stands for the fact that I'm alone no more. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that phrase. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You try. Uh, You can accomplish some things, but really nothing of eternal significance. You can't certainly produce joy on your own because joy is a gift. And so Jesus says, if you don't remain in me, you're like that branch that is thrown away. It withers. Such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and they are burned. So one of the reasons that I can maintain my joy is because I realize I am not walking alone. And so there's four verses that I'd like to give to you on the broadcast today that will really help you when you feel like the storms of life are overwhelming you. Number one, Psalm 23, verse number four, David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Listen, even in physical death, the Lord's with you. Deuteronomy 31, six, Moses says, be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified of them those enemies of of ours, don't be afraid of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. God's with you. Listen, God plus one always is a majority. God's just looking for somebody to team up with him and and say, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Just hang in with me and I'll take care of your enemies because I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And then the psalmist said this in Psalm 2710, you know, my father and mother may forsake me, but the Lord will receive me. Oh, I love that. The Lord will receive me. Uh, Many years ago, when my son was going through a time uh, living as the prodigal, he ran into a man down at Myrtle Beach, a young single guy who was a believer in Christ. And when he became a follower of Christ, his father and his mother forsook him. His father and mother says, you're no longer welcome here. You become one of those Jesus freaks. You're no longer welcome to live in our home. And this man became homeless because he became a follower of Christ. But Psalm 2710 says that the Lord will receive him. His father and mother may forsake him, but the Lord is there with him. You're never alone if you know Christ. And then Paul said to the Roman believers, and, and he would say it to us today as well, that he was convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future, nor powers, nor height or depth, 
or anything else in all of creation. I'm so glad he put that phrase in there because some of us would say, well, what about divorce and what about separation and what about financial ruin? And uh, we'd have all these other things that say, this has separated me from the love of Christ. And so Paul gives an all-inclusive statement that nothing in all of God's creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You see, we're never alone. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the demons can't drive it from you. The present or the future can't take it from you. Angels and demons can't take it from you. Being high or being low can't take it from you. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing means nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And then we get to the letter I in the word remain, and that stands for invite. As I said earlier in the broadcast, uh, we're about as joyful as we want to be. So Jesus says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, ask or invite whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And then he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. How do I know that I'm remaining in God's love? I have asked him for what I wish. I will get what I wish because I'm keeping his commandments. If you keep my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. You know, stability produces joy. By asking, we will receive. So Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. And then your joy will be complete. Now, this is kind of emphatic, that word ask. It's like you should keep on asking, and you'll keep on receiving, and you'll keep having your joy complete. The key is asking in Jesus' name. Asking as you are keeping his commandments. You know, the Bible tells us that he who knows to do the right thing and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And then letter N stands for never steal the show. As I remain in Christ, never steal the show. Okay, what does that mean? Verse number eight, Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory. Okay, so ask whatever you wish and you're going to receive it. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Remain in this love. Keep his commandments. And then Jesus says, all this receiving of joy receiving of what we ask for, is to the glory of the Father, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we learn here that giving God the glory means that we must walk in humility. Humility always produces joy. Now, notice I didn't say humiliation produces joy. It's humility produces joy. Look at what Paul records in Philippians chapter 2. He's talking about Christ, and we've learned that Jesus said, well, I've kept my Father's commands, and I remain in His love in John 15, 10. And then Paul records of Jesus that He made Himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross. So being filled with joy and being filled with pride is like mixing water and oil. It doesn't happen. You know, trying to mix water and oil is called an emulation. 
It's impossible for it to happen. It doesn't come together. You're never going to be filled with pride at the same time that you're going to be filled with joy. As we are starting to be filled with joy, pride is pushed out and humility steps in. Never steal the show. Realize that God wants to be glorified through his son, and he will allow us to bear fruit so that he can be glorified. It's all about glorifying the Lord. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon spends the entire book, and he concludes that everything is vanity, right? And he tries to have wealth. He says, well, maybe that's the way to find the secret to happiness, right? And he discovered that, man, that left him empty. Well, he said, well, maybe the whole chief end of man, uh, the goal of my life is to really work hard, right? Maybe if I go out and I work hard, I'll find some happiness. And so he worked hard and received the benefits of hard work. But even that left him empty. He said, well, maybe pleasure is what I need to do. And, and maybe I can try some wine and I can try some other substance that that will, in essence, allow me just to be drunk or allow me to be high and, and allow me to really be uh, like out of it, right? Maybe, maybe that's the way, I, the way I can find happiness in life and just get hooked on some substance and, and become addicted to something. And, and then I'm kind of like dead to what's happening around me. And, and, and as a result, I, I just go about, live my life, and, and I, I have no idea what's happening. And, and he says, well, that didn't lead to happiness either. And then he said... Maybe I should try women. Let me try women and see if that will make me happy and, and I'll have a relationship with women. And, and he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. I don't know how he did that. How that sounds like a recipe for disaster, but he tried it thinking that would make him happy and it didn't. It left him empty. He concludes the book of Ecclesiastes and he says, here is the chief end of man. The chief end of man is to enjoy God, to glorify God, to keep his commandments. And he says, that is where he found true happiness, not by stealing the show, not by being a glory hog, by realizing that everything that happens to me should be to the Father's glory. And I bear much fruit to the Father's glory. I am giving joy to the Father's glory. Well, there's one other thing that we got to cover today in the broadcast, and that is the last letter of remains And that is the word sacred. You know, there's a sacredness of joy. You know, anything impactful in life is sacred. We're to obey God's commands completely, remain in his love. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done as a father has loved me. So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Now, it's easy to blame and to justify ourselves for our disobedience, but I've found a really good quote by a guy by the name of Thomas Merton, and he identifies the key reason why we fail to experience the freedom and the joy that Christ has to offer. He says this, It is not that somebody else is preventing you from living happily. You yourself do not know what you want. Rather than to admit this and ask for God's help, we pretend that someone else is keeping me from exercising liberty and joy. And who is that? 
It is you yourself. Jesus himself says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments and you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in him, you will have joy. You see, joy is found not in disobedience, but obeying God's word completely by remaining in his love. I think about getting married. When I was married on July 1st of 1989, my wife didn't give me a list of rules to obey. She didn't have to. I remained in her love, and I wanted to do everything I could to please her, and I didn't want to do anything that would disappoint her or hurt her. That's what love does. Love lifts up somebody else. Love will never do anything to hurt somebody else. And secondly, uh, we learn from verses 11 through 14, not only do we find joy, there's a sacredness of joy as we obey God's commands, but we're to love others deeply. We're down to verses 11 through 14, where Jesus says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Don't you love that little phrase that we're to love each other as Christ has loved us? That's how we have a successful marriage. You love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Loving others deeply. Now, that doesn't mean we approve of everything others do. But when we love others deeply, we accept others, their faults and all. We don't have to approve what they do. You know, a great lie that has been told to our society is this, is that if you don't approve of something that I do, then you must hate me. And that's not true. I mean, I think about my kids when they were growing up. Uh, There were some things I didn't approve of that they were doing, and I had to address it. And it wasn't because I didn't love them. It was because I did love them. I would address it because I did love them, but I would accept them as my children. Loving others deeply. You know, there was once a couple, and I thought this was a funny little story. They had been married for 60 years, and throughout their life, they had shared everything. Man, they loved each other deeply. There had been no secrets kept from each other, uh, except for a small shoebox. The wife kept uh, a very small shoebox on top of her shelf, and when they got married, she put the shoebox there and, and asked her husband to never look inside of it and to never ask questions about its contents. For 60 years, the man honored his wife's request. In fact, he forgot all about the box until the day when his wife grew gravely ill and the doctors were sure she uh, was going to have no way of recovering. So, so the man, putting his wife's affairs in order, remembered that box on the top of her closet and got it down and, and brought it to her at the hospital. And he asked if perhaps now they might be able to open it. And so she agreed. They opened the box together. And inside, there were two crocheted dolls and, and a roll of money that totaled $95,000. Oh, the man was astonished. The woman told her husband that the day before they were married, her grandmother told her that if she and her husband ever got into an argument with one another, they should work hard to reconcile their differences. And if they were unable to reconcile, that she should simply keep her mouth shut and crochet a doll. Just crochet a little doll. 
Well, the man was touched by this because there were only two crocheted dolls in the box. He was amazed that for over 60 years of his marriage, they apparently had only two conversations that they were unable to reconcile. Tears came to his eyes, and he grew even more deeply in love with this woman. Then he asked about the role of money. He said, now what's this, he asked. And his wife says, well, every time I crocheted a doll, I sold it to a local craft fair for $5 each, and I made $95,000 selling these crocheted dolls. What do you think about loving others deeply? In order to love others deeply, you must learn to listen intently. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my command. Love each other. Well, thank you so much for joining me today in the broadcast. I hope that the last three days have helped you to learn how to remain in the love of Christ so that your joy may remain. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.